Hello and welcome to episode number nine of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. I'm this week's host, I'm Dina Weinheimer, and joining me are Corey Swartz and Jay Forster. How are you both? I am doing okay. It is a wonderful Tuesday here. Yeah, you just surviving. said okay. <laughs> you like you said okay, like something bad had happened. I'm like, oh wait. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's just Tuesday, you know? I don't know what it is about Tuesdays. They're always like this. Well, but brighten up because by the time we hear this, or our you know, our listeners hear this, it will be Wednesday, so no longer Tuesday. So hopefully people are a bit happier. But also we're going to be joined later in the show by the head coach of the Ontario Reign and Germany hockey legend Marco Sturm. So stay tuned for that before we really kick things off. If you aren't already subscribed to us on your favorite podcasting platform or on YouTube, do it now. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click like and hit that bell so you can get every episode straight into your feed. And also, I want to thank our show sponsor, Document Doctors. When they are not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. Every time you do, it helps us out and we appreciate that very much so we're just gonna roll right into the quick kicks you know sometimes a player gives a check and then two seconds later they're gone that's pretty much this segment of the show we're just going to look back at some of the more uh newsworthy items over the past week in american hockey league action and Corey's going to get us started out with some uh, extension news in mid-february what's going on Corey? Well, Dina, you talked about checks. This one's a check that's being cashed, and that is the Washington Capitals extending goaltender Clay Stevenson for three additional seasons. The rookie goaltender leads the AHL with a 1.70 goals against average and a .934 save percentage. He has been outstanding for the Hershey Bears so far this season. It's great to see him rewarded. Now, the first season, that's going to be a two-way contract, and the other two seasons are going to be a one-way contract. So, if you're reading between the lines a little bit there, it wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix for potentially a job in Washington sometime in the future. All I know is he did a number against the Cleveland Monsters when they were in town this past weekend. And I, while I'm excited for him, I kind of don't want to talk about it. I, I could understand that. Absolutely. Earlier on Tuesday, the American Hockey League announced that Chicago Wolves head coach Bob Nardella had been suspended for 10 games as a consequence of his actions during a game at Texas on December 9th. They explained that he was an assessed a game misconduct for abuse of officials at 848 of the third period after using homophobic language. Uh, in their press release, the American Hockey League says, quote, the American Hockey League is committed to building a culture that is safe inclusive and free from abuse, harassment, and all forms of unethical behavior or misconduct. During the suspension, Nardella will be permitted to participate in team practices on non-game days. 
and he will be eligible to return to the Wolves bench on January 6th, end quote. In the same game, uh, or as his actions in the exact same game, only later on in the game, uh, Chicago Wolves forward Dominic Franco also is being suspended for one game as a consequence um, of his actions. Uh, This is an automatic one-game suspension under provisions of AHL Rule 23.4 for accumulating his second game misconduct in the abuse of officials category this season. By the time you hear this, his uh, suspension will already be served as he is missing Tuesday's game at Iowa. So um, actually later on, um, on Tuesday, the Chicago Wolves did release a statement saying, quote, on Tuesday, the American Hockey League suspended Chicago Wolves coach Bob Nardella for 10 games um, as a consequence of his actions towards officials during Saturday's game at Texas. This is the big part of the statement. The Chicago Wolves do not tolerate derogatory language of any kind on or off the ice. If there's any other repercussions, that is yet to be seen, but that was Big news coming down, um, a big message from the league coming down on Tuesday afternoon. Chicago Wolves season just kind of keeps on happening to people, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, for some, yeah, for a team that's kind of led a lot of charges in diversity and inclusion and things, this just, it's sad to see. Yeah. Uh, in, in better news, goalies. Uh, San Diego Gold netminder Thomas Sukanek, Sukanek, excuse me, was named the Howie's Hockey Tape AHL Player of the Week. And for the period ending December 10th, he stopped 74 of 77 total shots to backstop the goals to three consecutive road wins. Extremely cool uh, biker, like Sons of Anarchy style jacket for... Um, First, you can't act there in, in the picture if you're watching this on YouTube, but uh, he's just a really fun story. Um, he was a big, big piece of that Czechia team that got this close to winning the gold at the World Juniors most recently. Uh, and now he seems to be single handedly pulling the Ducks out of uh, the Gulls, excuse me, out of their um, season long slump, which I think we're going to talk about in just a little bit here. I just love how more AHL teams are getting their own, you know, celebratory item. You know, some have, well, like with the goals, they have that really cool uh, jacket, the biker jacket. Some teams have like a, I know Cleveland has like a Cleveland Browns dog mask and they get their dog of the game. Rochester has that eagle horrifying eagle head yeah right (laughs) um yeah it's just fun to see these teams having a little bit of fun um and honestly speaking of a little bit of fun adam cracknell 38 year old veteran of the american league and the national hockey league recorded a hat trick this past weekend if you're on youtube you can kind of see some some footage of that but you know you hear of these young kids getting hatties and all that but for a guy who's basically a year younger than myself i couldn't imagine doing this at you know the top development league pretty much across the world um at 38 years old 
And Jay, I'm sorry it's against your San Jose Barracuda, but way to no, go. It's fine. This, this, this just happens this season. It's fine. Um, yeah, Adam Cracknell, you, you think that they brought him in to be, you know, a good veteran piece and to, you know, babysit the kids, basically. Um, and last I checked, he has, what, 18, 19 points on the season in 20-something games. So he's clearly not just there for veteran presence. He's there because he wants to score goals. Um, and I think that's real cool. Yeah, speaking of real cool, we have a trade to talk about here at the AHL level. Kind of a, a bit of a rarity at times here, but the Rockford Ice Hogs acquired Dustin, Austin Strand from the Chicago Wolves in exchange for Zach Jordan. So that's two players getting swapped out. It'll be interesting to see how those impacts uh, each team's overall matrix. But an interesting trade. You don't see too many at the AHL level quite like that this time of year, especially. So it's always worth pointing out. Other things worth pointing out, two milestones over the past weekend. Milwaukee's Anthony Angelo played his 250th career AHL game on Saturday in Iowa. And on the same night, Utica's Tyler Watherspoon played in his 600th AHL game. Congrats to both players. It feels weird to say those two teams with those two players because I am extremely used to them playing on some of my Atlantic Division rivals. So it always feels weird to say I Milwaukee, Anthony Angelo, Utica, Tyler Watherspoon. So uh, a little bit of a different look here, but it's great to see those guys thriving in the AHL still. Going back to the trade, can I just say that it's kind of refreshing in the American Hockey League to have a trade with a player going the other way and not future considerations? I wonder if you're going to see more of that because obviously Chicago doesn't have, it only has guys on AHL contract, you know? So I wonder if as the playoffs start to roll to roll here, I wonder if we're going to see more of Chicago's players move to teams that are going to be in the play in a playoff push. Possibly, it's just I'm just so used to it over the last few seasons that it's just all the joke about future considerations. But maybe this season is a turning point for the American Hockey League, and kind of just building off of uh, Corey talking about the Utica comments here. Uh, if you're nearby Utica uh, this Friday and you put a chance to get free, yes, free glass seats, then you better show up to their game on Friday night. So the team posted that they will be welcoming their one millionth fan on Friday. And that fan and I assume their group will be upgraded to glass seats and they are promising much more now we saw this what was it with lehigh valley earlier on where they hit a huge milestone with fans and that person got all sorts of swag and they got to drop the puck and they just they were basically treated like royalty for the for the the evening so if you want a good game of hockey and you know maybe play the odds a little bit let me just say may the odds be ever in your favor and good luck on becoming the one millionth fan of the Utica Comets on Friday. So that person's going to have a great shining star of a night, but our focus for right now is going to be our three stars of the past week. And let's just kind of go uh, for my two co-hosts in alphabetical order for them. And I'm going to let Corey kick this off. And I think you have two co-stars, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a hard time just picking one this time around. So I figured I'd pick two. And the first one is not a surprise to either <laughs> of you guys, but to our viewers, it will be a surprise because it's not a Hershey Bears player. I elected to go the route of former Hershey Bears players this time around. <laughs> Nathan course. Walker. Nathan Walker is my first pick here. This guy, like, I know we talked about him earlier this season, but, like, I feel like it's worth talking about again because I wasn't the one who got to talk about it. So, um, Nathan's been on a tear again recently. He had a little bit of a quiet spell, but how about to the tune of eight points in his last four games? Two goals, six assists. His last game, I believe, was another multi-point game. I believe it was a goal and at least two assists, maybe three. It was a, it was a big night for him. Uh, on Teddy Bear Toss Night, I predicted it over on Twitter uh, before it happened, although I predicted he'd score the Teddy Bear Toss goal. His family was there, and they brought stuffed koalas to the game, believe it or not. So leaning into his Australian Outstanding. heritage there. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Outstanding. Yeah, it was absolutely perfect. So I was really wishing he'd score the goal, but settling for one of the goals is, I think, the, the next best thing. I was referencing the time he brought a gigantic teddy bear, larger or as large as he was, to Hershey's teddy bear toss the last time he was here back in 2018. So it was kind of cool to see uh, him and his family show up for another big night there uh, again this past weekend. So my second one, Maverick Bork. It's easier to count the games this guy hasn't scored a point in, which is only four out of, I believe, 21 games that he's played this season. And, you know, you might be, you know, curious to think that, you know, okay, he was, again, a guy who's been scoring a lot of points this season. He just casually had six points in his last two games. One goal, five assists. It is no wonder to me that the Texas Stars are one of the league's leading scorers, you know, with a few games less played than a lot of teams. Like, I know, you know, they're just ahead of the bears in terms of uh, in terms of overall goals scored, but it's only by a couple and they played four less games. These guys seem to be the runaway pick for team most likely to fill your net award here. So far Maverick Bork is leading the charge in that endeavor. I believe two Texas stars players are leading the league in terms of points scored. So a very nice notch in their belt for this early stage of the season. Speaking of guys that are uh, leading some scoring races or almost leading some scoring races. Uh, I'm going for um, a topical uh, player uh, from the Ontario reign. Uh, I'm going with Brant Clark, uh, rookie defenseman, has five points in his last three games this week, seven points in his last four. Um, and get this, he is fifth in the entire AHL in scoring as a defenseman. He has 25 points in 23 games. Uh, he is literally just turned 20, I believe. And uh, he's he's leading the, he's leading his team in scoring. He's leading all defensemen in scoring. He's second in rookie scoring behind only Logan Stankoven. Uh, just incredible work from, from Clark. Uh, such a good, fun, young player. It makes me mad to think that he's going to be this good for this for a very long time on the Kings. And there's that second uh, Texas player that Corey was referring to. I figured it was going to come up here eventually. I did almost yeah. pick, I did almost pick Stankoven, but then I looked and I was like, holy heck, how did Brent Clark 
get all the way up there without me noticing. So I figured I had to pick him. So I'm going to go silly from my start of the week and just kind of follow along this train of thought of teddy bear tosses and things like that. So my star of the week goes to whatever fan in Syracuse brought a giant stuffed sloth to the game. And also to Sean Element, who, if you're watching on YouTube, see it right here, belly flops directly onto the stuffed sloth, tosses it over as fans continue to pelt him with teddy bears. But uh, yeah, I love to see the players having fun with this. And uh, 10 out of 10 belly flop there. So I have it on good authority, speaking of players having fun with um, teddy bear tosses, that the, I don't remember if it was the Laval Rockets teddy bear toss or the teddy bear toss that they were the away team for, um, but he was, after the t- after the bears were thrown, skating around the ice with a giant stuffed uh, alligator draped around his neck. Um, so I do love that. Who was this? And this was Logan Mayu of the, of the Laval Rocket. I love it. We don't, I, I just... haven't been able to find video or picture evidence of this. I'm going off of um, a reporter who was there, but I love when they have fun with the... Um, I love when they have fun with the teddy bear toss. So yes. it's always fun. Cleveland's is on Friday, and I am beyond excited. I'm still debating if I'm going to go and cover it as media or if I'm going to take you know a night off and enjoy some teddy bear chucking of my own i have less than a month until hershey's on january 7th and with the piles that they get there it's always fun to play at what i call spot the player in the t- giant pile of teddy bears because there are times <laughs> where they'll jump in and you're sort of like is there like they'll be taking pictures of the pile and you're like oh there's a player at the bottom of that pile so it's it's always it's fun i'm much. hoping hoping for a better teddy bear toss this year selfishly but um, uh, it's always a lot of fun. Anything, anything to not repeat last year. <laughs> it's very care? good to. Um, it, it's almost like they are um, dogs jumping in piles of leaves. I feel yes. like, but like that's what it is. It's, 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 it's all of the TikToks of the dogs jumping into piles of leaves, except the hockey players launching themselves into piles of stuffed animals. So, Corey, for those that don't know, do you want me to tell them what happened last year to Hershey, or do you want to relive that nightmare? I was there. It was the night nobody scored in the teddy bear toss goal. It was one of the stranger hockey oddities I think I can ever say that I was a part of. And it was worse for me because I brought a huge teddy bear. I had to sit on it for the entire game, basically, because it was a sold-out crowd. So... They went the entire 60 minutes without scoring a goal. Actually, wasn't completely 60 minutes because the fans kind of mutinied at the end of the game. And, you know, when when you tell a bunch of, you know, so the Bears were down 2-0 at this point. 2-0 ended up being the final score. And unfortunately, they had to make the sad announcement that if the Bears did score a goal, that they wouldn't throw the teddy bears at a hypothetical goal in order to give the Bears a chance to come back and, you know, try to tie the game type of thing. Of course, that didn't happen, but that announcement killed all of the, you know, turned all the pent-up teddy bear energy into rage. So you kind of could see one teddy bear start flying around, around the crowd, land on the ice. You know, people people were sitting there, they, you know, they came for a teddy bear toss, and it didn't happen. So everyone just <laughs> they came to throw some bears. <laughs> Dang it, they're going to throw some bears. <laughs> Exactly. So it was only with like, you know, three seconds left, you know, a couple of seconds. They just called the game at that point. So 
Uh, a little bit of unfortunate teddy bear lore happened in Hershey. Set a new record, but unfortunately that kind of killed them vibe a little bit in the rank of setting a new record uh, because of all that. So hoping for a goal and a more traditional teddy bear toss this time around when the Bears play on January 7th. God, that's so funny. I'd never, I never, I hadn't heard that story. I didn't know that was what happened last year. Um, that's incredible. Mob mentality is real and it involves throwing teddy bears. <laughs> I, I I thought that might be what you were going to say happened, that they just decided to mutiny halfway through the period and, and throw all of the bears. <laughs> but um, delightful. I, I believe the title of my recap for that game was Furry Fury because <laughs> the bears threw their teddy bears on the ice early for that one. And, you know, again, totally justified. It was the kind of game where the bears just couldn't buy a goal. You know, it was, they had, everything was just perfect and it just didn't work out to be perfect, unfortunately. And you know, the funny memory I have of it is it was such an atypical teddy bear toss. Cause like you, when anytime you see any video of Hershey's, you know, the goal, the goal horn is blaring, you know, everyone's kind of going crazy. They just scored a goal. So everyone's, you know, normally like this, this time it was like, it was kind of like watching it snow almost because like there was, it was so unusual. There was no music playing between the whistles. Like it was just kind of this silent, you know, toss with some anger behind it type of thing so it was just a totally different feel you know you never think about how different it could possibly be to to witness this i know personally i was very upset i was like here we go i'm not having fun you know the whole pent-up feelings of that entire game were just sort of it was a tough night at the rink i remember they had to put the eagles philadelphia eagles game on to kind of uh console fans at that time uh as the i believe the eagles were pushing to get to the Super Bowl at that point. So it was, uh, you know, they had to try to pull some tricks in the book to, you know, turn everybody's mood around a little bit there too. Instead of some sweet, cuddly mayhem, it was some spicy, cuddly mayhem. We'll trade it every day for a Calder Cup, but we just don't, you know, this year I want to have my cake and eat it too. Uh, I don't blame you. Might as well get the whole championship experience, right? Exactly. I remember that being the, you know, the words of a uh, friend of the show, Zach Fish at the Bears, um, you know, Calder Cup celebration, you know, in kind of reviewing the season. He said, you know, we didn't have fun at the teddy bear toss, but we'll trade a, trade that for a Calder Cup this time around every day of the week. So all's well that ends well in that story. All right. We're going to go ahead and kind of break up into some individual segments here and We have one more segment before we get to our special guest, but this one's going to be led by Jay, who wants to talk about some rookies. Yeah, I figure why not continue my, um, it's not a rant really, but let's, let's continue my talk about some impressive rookies this season, because I just mentioned obviously Brent Clark, 25 points in 23 games as a 20 year old defenseman. Uh, Logan Stankoven, 29 points in 21 games as, again, a 20-year-old uh, playing in the AHL as a rookie. Um, and even, you know, guys like Joshua Watt, who was really slowed down after having a really, really hot start, and he's still got 20 points in 23 games. Um, I want to give shout-outs to uh, Brendan Offman, who uh, is having a really, really good rookie season. Um, and... I want to talk about goalies as well. Obviously, we talked about Clay Stevenson already, um, but I want to give some flowers to Dennis Hildeby, uh, who hit 10 games 
in his rookie season has a goals against average of 1.8 and a save percentage of 927. Eric Portillo doing incredible things in Ontario, if I can bring up an Ontario player again. Um, but just, I feel like this year, more than most years, there are some, there are so many good rookies that I'm like, man, who are we going to give the Rookie of the Year award to this season? Because for my money, at risk of being a homer, David Juracek was far and away the best rookie in the AHL last season. But I'm looking at the, I'm looking at all of the players this year and I'm like, wow, who, who, who do we, who do we pick out of all of these incredible players? And like that's, I think I mentioned what, six names. I could easily mention 10 more. Owen Zellweger is having a fantastic season. Brad Lambert is having a fantastic season. Peter Chiprikov is having a fantastic season. Like it's so much fun. I love when the kids succeed because it makes the AHL better. I just want to know what, for those who vote on this or who decide who the AHL Rookie of the Year is, what kind of criteria that they're going to use? Because you can't just say, oh, this player got the, you know, the most points or the most goals or whatever. You have a case, like you said, for at least if you were kind of pulling odds right now or whatever, at least I'd say 10 10 people would be in the running for it for me, and I wouldn't know how to pick out of those 10. And I think you named just about all of them, except for maybe John Farinacci out of Providence. Yeah, and like, again, that's um, there are other guys that I haven't even mentioned. Uh, Samu Tuomala is is one of them. Uh, Matt Coronato in, in Calgary. Like, I could, I could go on and on and on. In terms of AHL uh, Player of the Year... Last year, it went to uh, Ty Carty out of Coachella Valley, who had 57 points in 72 games uh, as a 21-year-old. So it really it really could be anyone's. Um, my money might be on Brent Clark, just because to score that many points as a defenseman in this league is very impressive. Yeah. But I don't think you can discount, you know, what Logan Stankovic is doing in, in Texas, because that is just so dang impressive. Another bit that Jay's not, you know, not mentioning here is that, you know, the top three goaltenders in the AHL right now are all rookies, too. I mean, we mentioned them by name there, too. I know how much Jay likes goalies, so I just wanted to, you know, quick make mention of that, that, you know, the goalies are really crushing it this year. I I think that, you know, you can't discount them from this conversation, too. Yeah, 100%. So the top three goalies by goals against average are, are rookies. Um, if you switch to save percentage, they drop to two, three, and four, but that's still incredibly impressive. And I don't think there's any shame in losing top goalie honors to Jesper Volstedt, who no. is just so friggin' good, you know? So again, just Clay Stevenson, a 934, Eric Portillo, a 931, Dennis Hildeby, a 927. Like, beating out other young guys, beating out other... Uh, veterans like Dustin Wolf, who was widely considered to be, you know, maybe the best goalie in the AHL, uh, is sitting on a 920 at the minute. And so these guys are all outperforming him right now. And it's just, it's really fun to see. I think rookie goalies, more than any other type of rookie, I think are the most fun because they so rarely get the chance to shine because many teams will not go with a rookie goalie as their starter unless they are absolutely forced to. Um, And it looks like 
there are three teams here that have been forced to go with their their rookie goalies in uh, in Stevenson, Portillo, and Hildeby. So, shout out to those three guys. Or they forced the team to go with them. Yes, exactly. Because you hear that. So yes, much sorry, I shouldn't. Goes. I shouldn't say that they were forced into this. <laughs> the team was forced into this position, but it was sometimes you play the hot hand. You know, yes. Um, if we can look at what's happening in the NHL right now, Connor Ingram has basically just taken the starter's job in Arizona because Carl Vamelka was not doing it. Um, you know, we see it year in, year out. A backup goalie comes in super hot and takes the starting job. But I can't remember the last time it happened to three teams who all had rookie goalies. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Some teams, by the way, are rolling with two rookie goalies as their tandem. Uh, at least Rockford has two rookies uh, in Drew Comesso and Jackson Stauber. And uh, my guys, the Barracuda, have uh, Magnus Krona, best name in the NHL, I would like to argue, and um, Georgi Romanov, two uh, rookie goalies, again, playing in their very first pro season in North America. So lots of rookies in the AHL this season, but lots of rookies succeeding, which you love to see. 2023-24 AHL season is for the rookies. At yes. this point, I don't know, might be surprised they make it year, you know, player of the year honors, you know? The way this is going, we could see rookies cleaning up at the end of year awards. But uh, you know, we got to move on. Um and before we move on to our next segment, which is our special guest Marco Sturm, I do have a little bit more to share about our sponsor document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers you affordable solutions to help optimize your business and to keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions like training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much more. Support our podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at Document Doctors LLC. So that's just like layer, like laser, laser, calder.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. Be sure to shop and support small businesses today. And now it's time to welcome this episode's guest, Marco Sturm, who is the current head coach of the Ontario Reign and got his start in pro hockey in Germany's Deutsche Ice Hockey Liga, scoring 12 goals, 32 points, over 47 games as a 17-year-old rookie. He was then drafted 21st overall by the San Jose Sharks in the 1996 NHL entry draft. Across his NHL playing career, he tallied 242 goals, 245 assists for 487 points in 938 regular season games. And let's not forget those 68 playoff games and those 22 points for the Sharks, Bruins, Kings, Capitals, Canucks, and Panthers. The former NHL All-Star was the most productive German player in the league until Edmonton's Leon Dreisaitl surpassed him in 2021 internationally. Our guest competed for Germany in four different IIHF World Championships, two Winter Olympics, and one World Cup. After his playing uh, 
career retirement, he moved on to serve as the head coach and general manager of the German national team uh, that was announced in July 2015. That year, he led the squad to the 2015 Deutschland Cup title. His leadership also led the German team to a silver medal at the 2018 Winter Olympics. Now heading up the AHL's Ontario reign, we welcome Marco Sturm to the show. Marco, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm just going to get started. You know, you've played in and coached uh, in quite a few different leagues um, and levels of international play. The, of course, the D, the DEL, AHL, the NHL, just to name a few. But of course, we all know the American Hockey League is a developmental league. But I was just curious, what sorts of different uh, culture and st- playing style differences have you noticed about the American Hockey League compared to all of the others you've experienced? Well, um, I always say there's always a reason why um, the players in AHL, and it's nothing against the players. It's just you, you can see a lot of lots of young kids. Um, uh, they're just not ready, right? And uh, we all have dreams. Uh, they all want to be in the NHL, or most of them. And uh, and I, I think the AHL is just a perfect league to develop. And uh, and because of that, you know, because of their play and and all and the and the age and all that kind of stuff, uh, you can see, you know, some kids just need longer than others. And and when I was in Germany, you know, we kind of um, there were. They were growing up more. They're more like men uh, uh, versus, you know, young adults, and and that's that's for me. It's uh, it's the big difference, and uh, but it's uh, uh yeah no, it's 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 also a development league for us and for every team probably for, and that's our biggest challenge, right? You wanna you wanna be productive. You wanna you wanna win hockey games, but you all have to have to make sure you're going to develop those those kids um, so they can make it to the big club. Speaking on development, you know, AHL coaches have a unique position that they work closely with their NHL affiliates in terms of, you know, putting players in different situations and where they play in the lineup. How has your relationship worked with the Kings in terms of utilization of their prospects? Yeah, one of one of the reasons, or uh, one of the or the biggest reason, is uh, why I took this Ontario job was was because uh, the situation we are in with uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. That means uh, my relationship to Todd McLennan and the coaching staff is it's better than good. Uh, my relationship to to Rob Blake and uh, and management's been. It's been outstanding, and you know what? And our practicing rink, uh, we're right next door, um, and we're all under one roof. And just on game day, we go different directions. And uh, I mean, it's a great. First of all, it's a great organization. It's a great setup we have uh, for for both Ontario and the Kings. And uh, and uh, no, um, players have it really good, and also coaches, right? And for me, that was really important to be in this kind of environment um, where I feel comfortable, uh, where uh, I get what I need. Um, and uh, I have that in LA and, you know, those, all of them, they, they treat me so well and, and our team and it's, it's, it's fun to work with, right? Um, I enjoy my, my work every day and I have fun going to the rink. 
I want to talk a little bit about um, international play now as opposed to the AHL, because I feel like we're seeing more and more parity in terms of international play. Obviously, Germany won, I believe, the silver medal in not the last Winter Olympics, but the Winter Olympics before that. And we're seeing a lot of um, young German players kind of make impact on this league. Obviously, Leon Dreisaitl isn't super young anymore, but he's really exciting. Mo Seider, um, Lucas Reichel, um, Tim, St- uh, Tim Stutzler. How exciting is it for you to kind of see Germany kind of come into its own as as a force in to, in terms of international play? Yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, I, I'm i so proud and I also, I don't know, tap my shoulders, but I had nothing to do with it, right? But <laughs> It's just because I'm German, and I, I just love to see uh, those uh, those those kids have success. Um, I think uh, amount. I think we always had the same amount of players, German players in the league, kind of. But now the big big difference is that those are in the league right now. They're all actually they're almost superstars, right? And uh, and that's and that's so nice to see and. Uh, you know, we um, we started uh, um, something really good with the national team and also with the German league, um, and uh, for different reasons, we uh, we have different programs going on. We support, we develop uh, young kids uh, at earlier ages uh, better than than and in, in the past. So now, now finally, we can see the result, and uh, I hope they're just gonna continue to do that. Because it's great to see, and for me, it's uh, you know those those kind of names you just mentioned. I uh, you know I love to watch uh, every day, and it makes me smile. And also very proud that uh, those guys, uh, yeah, like they're stars in the league, and they you know they make difference. So uh, again, it was a lot of work, but we uh, hopefully we can grow more German players like we have right now. So just pivoting to your current career with coaching, what made you want to get into the coaching side of the game and what do you enjoy the most about your job? Well, uh, I'm probably like any other coach. I never thought I would be a coach, right? Uh, everyone said probably the same thing. But, you know, when I was done with hockey, I um, I was just done, done. I just had so many injuries and I, I just wanted to have – or enjoying my time with my family. What I did um, that time, uh, we, we we stayed in Florida because the Panthers were my last team. So we kind of stayed there because of my kids. They they didn't want to move again. Um, and then uh, both my kids, my my boy and my daughter, um, uh, they played hockey, right? Junior hockey for the Junior Panthers. And and one day, my son was asking, "Hey, Daddy, can he can he please?" come to one of the practices. So I started to go there. I started to go on the ice. And then all of a sudden, it, it got more and more, right? I, I started to work more for the Junior Panthers, for the school, for the high school, for the prep school. All of a sudden, it got, you know, got into the, the German national team and, and, and kind of grew from there. So out of nothing, all of a sudden, I, I uh, ended up, you know, with the Kings too. So uh, happened really fast, but I also have to say, you know, early on, I I, I really enjoyed uh, what I never thought I, I would, and I just, um, you know, love to, um, you know, give the players the, all the experience I had as a player and as a coach. I, I just love to give it to them and like to help them 
to move forward what i what i learned in the past and also playing with a lot of good good players so uh, again this is something uh, i i think i'm 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 good at i'm 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 i also like to communicate a lot with both players i think in these days now as as a as a coach things changed right a lot of the young kids they 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 want to feel important so you got to communicate a little bit better and that's i think that's my strength so um so here i am and i'm just trying to get better better every day and right now i'm joining enjoying my time with Ontario. What kind of skills do you rely on from your playing days really to kind of help you in this? Is it obviously, you know, you've gone through a couple of different levels here to, to get to coaching, but I'm sure you rely on your experience from your playing days to help guide some of these kids on this next path. Yeah, absolutely. And it could be on the ice, it could be off the ice, right? And that, that it's huge. It's huge, right? I know how the guys think. I know when they struggle, what's going up in their, in their brains, right? Uh, I know when they feel tired. I know that when they, uh, you know, when they have a lot of stuff going on, um, I know when they, you know, coach, what should I do when I struggle scoring goals? So all those moments they're in, like, I've been through it, right? And again, that's where it's nice for me just being around uh, good teams and being around the National Hockey League that just, that helped me, uh, helped me, be a better coach um, and and that I, I, again I love sharing I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about myself uh, with my players but again I, I, I kind of throw it in there and without no let them know and uh, you know even through drills uh, through video all that kind of stuff what I experience uh, you know I just try to help them and uh, no that's that's been uh, it's been very helpful. Kind of just following on from that, um, I'm always really interested in like the thought process behind like what makes someone a good coach or how do you become a good coach? Like, do you have kind of a, a mantra or a philosophy in regards to coaching that you're like, if I can go about my day and I can do like this one thing, it's been a good day of coaching, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, end of the day, there is no there's no perfect coach, right? Um, somebody will, will be out there and that is like you because of whatever reason. And, uh, but I do have some good coaches too, like Daryl Sutter, for example, when I was in San Jose, Claude Julian. Um, those are the coaches I felt like I, I learned the most and why, um, just the way they handle things. Um, uh, they've been very honest and very direct. Did I like it? Uh, not not so much sometimes, but end of the day, it made me a better player. So there's a lot of those. I think those two, especially those two coaches, I I I, I, I think about a lot sometimes, and um, and again, it, it just helped me. And and it was a little bit of old school, uh, but I still think part of old school is still in the game. And you just have to be a little bit careful. You got to find the, the right line, right, with those young kids I mentioned it already. So, and uh, again, this is another thing where I grew up. I grew up old school wise, but also finished with the, with the new generation. So, I got a little bit of both. I was lucky, and uh, and uh, uh, yeah. But if I have to answer your question, and those those are my two mentors. So to close this out, we're going to look at 
your team just a little bit and the players. I mean, Ontario, honestly, the the team's been good for the, you know the last few seasons, definitely. And this season, you know, you have a nice mix of um, veteran talent. Of course, TJ Tynan, he's always up there in scoring. Uh, rookie Brant Clark, you know, leading the team, and you have a nice mix of young and uh, young players players that have been around a little bit and say like Kevin Connaughton and um, David Riddick, just what is your analysis of the team so far? And what has been your favorite moment that maybe we in the public have not seen? (laughs) For me, development also, if you want to hurry up development um, with any individual, I think you need to have a good team. And if you look at last year, we just didn't, we had too many young kids. And that's something I wanted, wanted to improve is um, having a little bit more um, leadership, a little bit more veterans in our team, because those guys are very, very important, believe it or not. Uh, also, winning is a little bit important. Is it the biggest thing now? It's Or the most important thing? Maybe not, but I know it's going to hurry things up. And if you if you have those kind of players around you, and if you end up winning some hockey hockey games, you know what? It, it helps those young kids to grow faster, and that's and that's something I I I, I experienced myself. In um, I feel like I was in lots of rebuild teams. Um, doesn't matter where I was, um, and that's again I've been through it way too many times. But I always thought those are. Those are key moments and uh, and key players. Uh, so, and like you mentioned, it's I think that's we have a much better mix this year, and that what also helps me and also the young kids uh, uh, to understand the importance of the game better um, than any other way. And uh, and that's that's what I enjoy. All right, that's it for us today. Um, do you have any messages for the Ontario fans or or LA Kings fans that might be be listening? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, again, we, we, our fan base it got it doesn't matter Kings or Ontario. It's been it's been un, uh, outstanding. Uh, we have the teddy bear uh, toss game uh, on on the weekend uh, Saturday, so hopefully. A lot of people will come and, and, and support us and not just us, also the kids, right? With a lot of teddy bears. So hopefully we, we can give them a reason to throw it on the ice. Well, I'm looking forward to see who gets that teddy bear toss goal for you guys. <laughs> Marco, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We greatly appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. So to finish out the show, as you know, we alluded to earlier, we are going to talk a little bit, you know, stay out in the Pacific and talk about the San Diego Gulls. Corey, take it away. Yes, I was reaching the researching this a little bit. I have to say the fantastic article on the AHL's website about the Gulls kind of prompted me to delve deeper a little bit into this. San Diego Gulls, to me, I want to get you guys' opinion on this one. Are they a team on the rise right now? So we were talking about a couple of combining factors with this one. So they, you know, were kind of the, I hate to say kind of the whipping boys of the league to start the season off. It's the San Diego goals, San Diego gulling, as it seems like. It seemed like it was kind of a carryover from last season. But, you know, all of a sudden here, they, they're they on a three-game winning streak. 
They've won four of their last five games. And oh, by the way, you know, they basically went, you know, blow for blow with the Texas Stars. We were just talking about their magnificent scoring ability. I'm kind of feeling that San Diego's maybe starting to get it together here a little bit to become a threat. The one thing that kind of stood out to me when looking at their their schedule and, you know, just at a glance statistics is this team scores a lot more goals. I think they get credit for, you know, they only allowed three goals behind the fantastic goaltending that we were talking about earlier in um, our quick hits segment there, but they only allowed three goals over three games and, Oh, they only scored 17 goals in those three games over a couple of teams that are not slouches in Rockford and Milwaukee. Um, you know, and obviously they just went blow for blow. They lost, I believe, um, I lost my place here. They lost six to five in overtime to the Texas stars who are, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league in terms of scoring, you know, they've had some ups and downs here. They were one of the teams to lose to Chicago just a couple of days before that, uh, six to four, you know, but my, my thought of the process with this one is that if these guys have some strong goaltending, which we're seeing here, you know, among the league's best, um, they have this scoring ability. Are we kind of looking at a team that's maybe a underrated opponent in the Pacific Division? Obviously, you know, the kind of kicker to this whole thing is that they're not exactly, you know, sniffing a playoff spot just yet. And, you know, some early season struggles will do that, you know, to any team at this point. But is this a team that you guys kind of think is on the rise? Maybe their stock, you know, if you're a gambling man or woman, are you betting on this team, you know, as kind of a dark horse candidate? Seven of the ten teams in the AHL make the playoffs. Uh, sorry, seven of ten teams in the Pacific Division of the AHL make the playoffs. I should clarify. Ah, that's, that's an important that's clarification there. Um, <laughs> so they are, if I pull up the standings real quick, uh, they are, okay, they're still seven points behind seventh place, which is the Henderson Silver Knights right now. Um, and they're only two points ahead of San Jose, who are currently tenth, and I... Oh, they're not last in the entire league. That's exciting. Um, but oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love when my team is not literally 32nd in the AHL. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I think they're definitely, they're figuring some things out. I think uh, losing Lucas Dostal was a real blow for them. Um, but they've got reinforcements. I think, like like I mentioned, Olin Zoliger having a great season. Um, I think getting Chase DeLeo back, like you mentioned, is is going to be real good for them. They're probably better than their record is at the minute. I don't know if they're a playoff team. They might sneak into the playoffs and then get curb stomped by um, probably probably Colorado at this point, or maybe Tucson. Um, but hey, all you have to do is make the playoffs, and you got a chance to win the Calder Cup. You know. My apologies on the the slip up there too. I forgot that not every division works like the Atlantic. The Atlantic is my framework for how all playoffs work. So I apologize for the misstep. Technically not wrong though, because of, uh, you know, them just being on the outside, looking in on the playoff picture and still with some ground to make. But yeah, I forgot to mention that actually Chase DeLeo was uh, one of the other players whose stats I kind of saw and, you know, kind of gave me some hope if I'm a armchair San Diego fan. He has 10 points in seven games since returning to San Diego, which, you know, we all know Chase DeLeo. He's an outstanding, you know, veteran player to have on your team. Uh, He's going to help some of the rookies develop as well as, you know, get this team, you know, he's going to light the lamp. That's just what he does. So, you know, I I do kind of like that element that there's, you know, kind of some looking up to do. I do hate that Chase DeLeo is considered a veteran now because I remember him being drafted 
And so in my head, right. he's like 22 forever. And that's simply incorrect. Yeah, I am still grappling with the fact that he is that far out west now and not, you know, over on the East Coast and let alone that he's a veteran. But uh, Corey, I'm not ready to, you know, put any bets on this team or to even really look at them too positively whenever I'm looking at some of their wins here lately. Um, I mean, <laughs> two of them came against, well, sorry, only one of them came against the Chicago Wolves. <laughs> they also lost to the Chicago Wolves. Um, Rockford is kind of eh, hot and cold. I mean, they're smack dab in the middle of the central. Um, I'm not saying that Rockford's bad, but they do have a, you know, nine, ten, and two record. Uh, the bottom hole half plus one of the central division has not been doing too well this season. I ask me this question again when we meet on January second, because the back portion of um, the San Diego Golf schedule, they have the Tucson Roadrunners on December twenty third who are third in the Pacific. Then, so that they're at home for that. Then they go on the road to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, uh, having a little bit more of a difficult so sophomore season than they wanted, but they're still, you know, fifth overall in the Pacific Division. They have a winning record. So, you know, they're starting to make a comeback. They're 6-3, 1-0 in their last 10. They face Ontario and then Tucson again. I want to see what they do against those teams specifically before I really sign off on anything. Of course, you have a team with, you know, Chase DeLeo. That's going to give them some hope, but you need everybody to contribute. And I'm just not sure if they're there yet. So my apologies to San Diego, but, uh, I mean, at least, again, you have Andrew Agazino. He's doing normal Andrew Agazino things. I miss For him. all I know, this could be the turnaround of something great. We could see this meteoric rise of a team out in the Pacific. But I want to see what they do against their division's top teams here um, in the last week or so of December before I, I you know can say yes, that they are on the rise. It's understandable. I mean, you know, like I said, this is a team I'm, you know, maybe building some hope off of a hot streak. And I, I get it that Rockford's a bit of an average team, but to me, it's kind of like, man, seven, nothing win. And then a five to one to follow it up. Like, you know, obviously, you know, average teams can have hot streaks and that could be what this is possibly. But there's sometimes where I look at, I'm like, you know what? It, it might be, you know, the start of a positive trend here for them. Maybe, you know, they got some pieces that have gotten people talking in the last, you know, um, week here or so, a couple weeks, really. And, you know, it, it seems to be hopefully some positive moves. And, you know, if you're a San Diego Goals fan, like, you, you want to see this team succeed. We were just talking to Marco Sturm, who really has the Ontario reign kind of in a good direction after some struggles that they had at times recently as well and you know a lot of these pacific teams you know although they've been around the league for a couple of years these are some teams they're still looking to you know have their first ever long playoff runs you know 
I hate to say, but I was a fan of one of these teams and I saw Coachella Valley go to the finals and almost win. You know, they were a goal away from winning the Calder Cup. I'd be like, man, I, you know, how did this team manage to, you know, make this happen versus us? We've been toiling away here. You know, it would have me feeling some kind of way type of thing. So I was just good, good food for thought here. Uh, love studying these streaks to see if it's for real or not. Well, on a very Pacific Division heavy show, which we don't really get a chance to do all that often. Finally, vindication. Uh, yes. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and close it out for this week's edition of the Calder's Calling podcast. If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the American Hockey League, please check us out online at ahlnewsnow.com. And you can also follow us on all your favorite social medias at, or social media platforms at AHL News Now. Please also be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with your family, friends, beer league team, line mates, whomever you would think that would like American League hockey information. And then, of course, finally, we want to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. Until next week, be sure to be warming up that throwing arm. We are in the middle of Teddy Berdoff season, and I don't want any injuries getting y'all on the IR. We'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.